You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, and today's guest I'm super excited about. Her name is Gigi Gonzalez. She's a first-generation American, first-generation college graduate, and first-generation white-collar professional. She recently quit her corporate nine-to-five job to pursue her true passion, which is teaching financial literacy to young adults through TikTok educational workshops at universities and now with an upcoming book. So I'm super excited that she's on. If you see her content, she's a badass. She's full of energy. I just love, like, she's got it all together. So definitely check her out. But thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Gabby. And for everybody listening, I do not have it all together, but I appreciate that. That's so nice. I love your videos though. Every time I see them, I'm like, I get into a dancey mood. I'm like, oh my God, Gigi's doing her thing. (laughs) It's fun. No, I love TikTok. It is so much fun. It's so entertaining. And you also learn a lot. I've learned so many fun stuff on TikTok. Yeah. It's my new favorite, you know, addiction. And part of me like likes to justify. I'm like, oh, this is productive work because I'm learning something, which is like, it's bullshit because it's like things that I really don't need to know, but like is really cool. I mean, sometimes you need to know it. This is research, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. But anyway, so I know your story because we've talked about it, but can you, you know, share with the listener what your story is? You know, why did you start your side hustle and how it was transitioning out of your nine to five to basically pursue this? Sure. So I like to consider myself as part of the great resignation because honestly, I don't know that I would have taken this leap if it wouldn't be the current climate that it is with COVID and Black Lives Matter. So I am a part of the great resignation. So I was actually very happy at my corporate job. So this might be a different story than the typical stories you have on the podcast. I was very happy, was on the up and up with management, was involved with really cool projects. But what happened was my job started talking about return to office in September. This was before Delta is what it was now. So they had plans to have us all return to office. And I wasn't ready because I just didn't feel that corporate America had really acknowledged all the trauma that we had been through as humanity with, you know, all the events. I was doing my side hustle, right? The first gen mentor on TikTok. And I knew that me having to go back to a commute would take time away from that. And I said, okay, I'm not dying to go back to my banking job and to make more money for the corporate world, the corporate machine, I'd rather kind of just focus on the empowerment stuff that I'm doing for my community. I serve the first-gen community. Honestly, my plan was to return back to my career because I've worked very hard for the career that I have and I liked what I do. But now that I've been out for three months, I'm not going back. (laughs) I'm not going back. So it's, it's super cool because I would have never known that this would have existed if I wouldn't have taken the leap. So I'm so excited. That's so awesome. I also like that you, you know, very truthfully like sharing with everyone that you actually liked your job. Because for a lot of people, right, they do like what they're doing and they like the people they're working with. Maybe in some scenarios, the circumstances aren't that great, but for most of the part, it's actually great. Like I've had the same experience of working with people that I genuinely like love and like enjoyed waking up and going to the job in the morning. But there's like a nudge of like, but I could do more. You know, there's more out there for me. Why am I just doing this and going through the motions? So are you familiar with the book, uh, The Big Leap? I think anybody from your audience would get to benefit from reading that book. Is that the book that has the fishbowl on the cover and the, the goldfish is jumping out? Yeah. So it's on my like to read list for literally like three years. 
That's a good one. And a life coach that I follow on TikTok recommended that one to me. But yeah, for me, it really was a struggle of like, am I going to leave my corporate job that I love with like my boss that actually respects me and values me and is willing to promote me? I've worked for companies that I wasn't valued. So to me, to finally reach something that worked for me, it was hard for me to leave that. But I read the book and that really helped me with my leap because basically he explains the zone of excellence and the zone of genius. So the zone of excellence is something that you enjoy doing. You find it challenging, you're good at, but it's still very much a job that you know it's a job. And your zone of genius is your passion where you're still doing work, but because you're naturally good at it, it doesn't feel like work. And that's where your natural skill set is better served. So seeing that I don't have to feel guilty about leaving my zone of excellence when my zone of genius is actually what's best for me, that really kind of helped me. Yeah. And I like that you specify that there's a difference between the two because when you're doing well and things seem to be going in flow in your job, you kind of, it's weird for people to question it because you're like, oh, this is what exactly what I wanted. Like I want it to be somewhat challenging, but like easy. Like it's not like I'm like crying every single day or anxiety stricken or like it makes sense to me. But at the same time, yeah, I think there's a short amount of time we have on this planet. If you kind of just do the same thing all the time and don't grow or try different things or kind of even see what you're capable of. It's almost like wasted, especially being so young. Like it's not like we have kids and stuff to hold us back. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's such a good point. And for me to take a leap, because I think you've taken leaps before, right? From watching your videos. Oh yeah, yeah. I am. I love change. So <laughs> that's awesome. But for me, I've never done anything like this before. I graduated at college at 21, got my first corporate job three weeks after graduating. And I've been in corporate for 10 years and I've never had a break. I mean, we get vacation, of course. Uh, I've always had a consistent job history. So for me to leave everything that I've known, the way that I'm supposed to earn money, which you know, it being a corporate salary that you get every two weeks to this where it's more kind of freelance sort of work. It was a big, big leap for me, but I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm sure also like you have to get used to a whole new routine and like get over the hump of like when you're in corporate, you're always like quote unquote productive, even when you're not like you always have to be doing something right. Busy work. Whereas when you're kind of doing stuff for yourself, like, right, there's work to be done, but sometimes there's downtime and you're almost like, Ooh, like there shouldn't be, but there is. But so other than that, like the whole mentality of transitioning out, what was your transition like from a money perspective, from like, you know, going from side hustle to full-time hustle? Like how was that whole thing? Yeah. So great. I think mentality was a big piece of it because I actually had the financial means to take a leap and to not have traditional income for a while because I had what's called a sabbatical fund. So I had money that I'd been saving aside for a career break, but yeah, the mentality is such a big piece of it, but so is money because, <laughs> you know, mentality doesn't pay the bills. So you need, you need money. So uh, what happened with me was I actually had planned on taking a career break, not to start a business, which is what I'm doing, but instead to travel. I had a big dream of quitting my corporate job and traveling for eight months to a year. And of course, you know, we all know what happened with traveling with COVID. That's not really happening, you know, much. Sorry. Of- <laughs> right, right. Joke's on you. <laughs> I know. So, you know, I saved about eight months of my expenses on top of a six-month emergency funds. And I mean, this is something that has taken me a lot of effort and diligence as a first-generation American because I graduated with student debt. I had to buy my own car. Like I have had no financial support from family. So it really took me understanding how money worked and making it a priority and making a lot of sacrifices. I left beautiful, sunny San Diego to move to Phoenix, which is not as beautiful. Uh, But you know what? It's a lot cheaper. Oh my God, it is. Like in a good way though. Like I was surprised a month ago I was in Phoenix and I was like, 
you know, this isn't half bad. Like to go from New York rent where it's like two grand for like a shitty little box with roaches to like sunny days and it's hot and like you get more space, like not freaking bad. It's really not. I've been here two years and I'm definitely ready to get out just because I've accomplished the financial goals that I came here for. But yeah, it's not a terrible place to live. And it's a great place to raise a family because there's so much space and you really can get a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah. That's awesome though that you're able to do that. I think you're kind of in some ways living like a lot of people's dreams, but you had the diligence and you know the mindset to do the sacrifices and make the changes necessary to get it done now, as opposed to someone taking 40 years to maybe accomplish slightly what you did, you know? Right. Yeah. No. So that helped me a lot. Cause I, I know a lot of people do take the leap without having sort of a runway to keep them afloat. I would have never done this without the runway because I don't have my parents that I can kind of live with or that I can ask money from because they're immigrants. They, they don't have all that much money. So to me, I 100% needed that. And I'm so happy that I had that. Even that was a internal, you know, turmoil. Cause I'm like, this money was supposed to be for traveling and now I'm going to use it to like build a website and do all these things. So I still kind of had a loss there, but I'm very confident that I'll be able to build my business to a point where I can travel while I'm running my business. So, but, but yeah, money is so important. And then uh, I think you asked me about like what the conversations were like at work. Like, I mean, what was your transition? Like, I know, you know, you were kind of doing this a little bit while you were still working from home. So like, did the side hustle start taking off before you quit? Or was it that TikTok was the thing that catapulted you and it happened after you quit? Like kind of what was the transition out of the nine to five? And like, in what place was your business at pre-quitting too? So people are aware, like, what do I need to know before I leave too? Got it. Got it. Yeah. So when I started my TikTok account, I wasn't doing it to monetize it, honestly. Uh, and I think people that know me know that I honestly was just putting the tips that I wish I would have had as a young adult. But I started getting traction and I did end up getting business opportunities from it. Then I'm like, oh, wait, is there like a way for me to make money from doing this? It was never in my realm. But yeah, the sort of opportunities that I started getting was people saying, hey, you know, we love, you know, your videos. Uh, can we hire you to come and speak to our students and teach financial literacy for an hour? We'll pay you. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know people paid for this because I'd been doing it for free for a nonprofit as a volunteer. And then the other opportunities I started getting were money coaching. So, hey, you know, can you, I talk to you for an hour and can you help me with the budget, right? One-on-one. So money coaching. And then the other opportunities I started getting kind of like towards the end was from collabs, as they like to call them in the industry. So uh, from brand sponsors, just reaching out and saying, hey, we see that you have this platform. We see that you have the attention of this audience. We'd love to pay you to make a promotional video for us and promote our company. Those sort of things started happening and it was cool. So yeah, I became a side hustle. I would say March of 2021 is when I started posting and I started getting opportunities. I would say April, the next month had a video blow up. So that's what really helped a lot. And that's what, that, why I always tell everybody to get on TikTok, because if you are able to go viral and get a lot of followers and attention that way, it's really going to help you. And it's really unlike any other platform. You can't really go viral on, on YouTube like that. So that really helps. Yeah. So I started getting opportunities and, uh, to be honest, I don't know if you've seen articles about people that had <laughs> their side hustles and while well, they were doing their nine to five with the pandemic, because it's just easy to do both jobs because you're at home. That was definitely what I was doing. Probably shouldn't have, but you know, it is what it is. I wasn't the only one. So I started taking meetings and also my nine to five meetings. And it definitely got to the point where it was too much. I wasn't doing either of them well. And then when they started talking about return to office, I'm like, okay, I have to make a decision. You know, I have to either cut back on one or the other. So yeah, when I took the leap, I quit June of 2021. So yeah, 
three months ago, I definitely was not in a place where I had replaced my income at all. But I knew that I had interest, that people were asking to work with me. And I knew that I had that sabbatical fund to kind of keep me afloat for a couple months. That's awesome. That's so exciting. Damn. I love it. So inspiring too, because I know a lot of people like that's essentially the dream, right? I mean, the money will come, the replacing the income will come, but like the fact that people are actively reaching out to you just also like gives you confidence of like, I'm legit. I have value to bring. People are interested. It's exciting because when you recognize that people look up to you, you're like, oh my God, I can do something with this. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when it's something that's your passion and that you've been doing for free, you know, so I've been mentoring my community for years. I've been teaching financial literacy for a long time too. So I got to combine those two interests on social media, which, you know, you can reach a lot more people on social media and now I'm getting paid opportunities. So yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm very thankful. That's so cool. Obviously that all sounds amazing and butterflies and daisies and it seems so perfect, but obviously there are challenges. Obviously. So like, <laughs> and, and just a disclaimer for everyone, just because you go viral doesn't mean all your problems are going to be solved. Like shit hits the fan very quickly and about a good, but a bad way sometimes. So like, what were some of the challenges you faced as your online presence grew? Like with your website, dealing with the traffic influx or the messages, like, can you give us some deets? Like what are some of the things that happen? Yeah. I mean, Number one, when I went viral, I wasn't ready to go viral. Everybody talks about, oh, you need to go viral for your business, blah, blah, blah. Like I mentioned, I wasn't seeing this as a business. It was a hobby and something that I loved doing it. So when I did have that video go viral and people were asking to work with me, I didn't have a website. I didn't have a link tree. I didn't have anything. So I had to kind of scrape that all together over a weekend. So yeah, that was challenging because I've never built a website before. So I use GoDaddy, which now I've learned is like the worst platform you Yo, can use. Yeah, right? To it's like from like the 90s. It's so terrible. Well, I, the <laughs> name always stuck with me because of the commercials from back in the day. But yeah, no, I've now switched to Squarespace, I believe I have. It's a lot you know, better. But yeah, that was a challenge for sure. The other challenge that I think I've probably missed out on a lot of opportunities was that I had my DMs turned off because I used to get random scammer DMs on TikTok. So I turned them off. So then when I went viral, I'm sure there were a bunch of people that tried contacting me. And I know that because at some point people started saying, Hey, I sent you a DM and I, did you see it? And I'm like, Oh, I didn't see anything. (laughs) Can you send me a message? And those messages go away. So even once you turn on the DMs, like you don't get to see what came there when you had DMs off. So if you want to, you know, have a business, make sure that your DMs are on, that you have, you know, your link tree or your website set up, your email so people can contact you because uh, none of that. I was not prepared because, again, I wasn't seeing it as a business. The other thing that I think has been a challenge is, yeah, just navigating the logistics of should I be a sole proprietor? Should I be an LLC? These are things that have never been in my world because, like I said, I've always been a corporate employee. I've never had to worry about any of that stuff. Yeah, deciding do I want to do, you know, like an accounting system? Do I want to do it myself? I'm very thankful that I do have my partner, my husband, that helps me with a lot of this logistical stuff. I'm so thankful because that frees up space for me so that I can be creative. Because if I had to do both, I have so much respect for people that do it all. Because it's honestly, if I did have to do everything completely on my own, I probably wouldn't do it. Because I know it's so much easier just to be making my corporate job and to not be doing all this. But I'm so thankful I have that support. Yeah. And it's so awesome that like, it's your husband of all people, like you trust him the most, like you can openly have conversations that are like 
scary and maybe ones that are hard to talk about. But like if you had a random stranger, like that's someone you don't know, you have no track record of working with them. You know, you don't exactly know what's going to happen. So it leaves for a lot of problems sometimes. But I'm sure working with your husband, sometimes you want to strangle each other because you're like, no, babe, I don't want to do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And the other thing that I would say about challenges is I think pricing is something that I struggle with a lot because I've never had to price my services, right? As a corporate employee, when I first started doing money coaching, I was charging $40 for 30 minutes. I was getting too many bookings and I'm like, okay, this is too accessible (laughs) if I'm getting too much work. So I bumped it up to $60 for 30 minutes and I saw that that kind of started slowing down. So I'm like, okay, I can kind of keep up with this. But I went to FinCon last week and I met a lot of people that have been doing this a lot longer and they all told me, you are way underpriced. You need to charge at least $100. So I've now bumped up my prices. So yeah, even not knowing how to price myself for my workshops too, I've, I've been yeah, I've been lowballed. I've been lowballed, um, you know, because I just don't know what to charge. And so it's fine. I'm learning in the beginning. And like I said, I have my runway. But now that this is seriously my business, I'm definitely getting into like the negotiation and those uncomfortable conversations that I have to get comfortable with. So it's it's a learning curve, but I'm so thankful. Yeah. But of course, like if you hadn't even started, you wouldn't be able to like get experience of like knowing what it's like to do it on the cheap end and then recognizing, oh my God, like there's actually value here. I need to now price accordingly. Like I think sometimes we're afraid to even charge anything because we don't know. Like even for me, I started with free and then I was like, oh my God, like I had like something like 30 freaking sessions booked and I was like, okay, like we can't do this because like this isn't working for me. I, you know, but you don't know unless you try and now you know. It's trial and error, trial and error for sure. Yeah. So like other than the consulting stuff and like working with brand deals, like how do you make money online? Is there like at this point, do you have a budget? Do you know how many, like do you have a goal for this is how many one-on-one clients I want. These are the brands that I want to talk with. Like, have you gotten to like a more of a flow with the money stuff? Uh, I have not, which that's probably not what people want to hear. Um, no, but it's honest. And I think a lot of people like, again, all these people on the internet are like, again, make six figures in two months and you're going to figure all your shit out immediately and it's all going to make sense. And I feel like that takes They're years. usually trying to sell you a course. Yeah. yeah oh, you but it takes my course years, and- years to have any sort of confidence or like processes in place. Yeah, no, I've been doing this three months and I don't have a business plan, which is not something I'm proud of. But honestly, I have been so busy with the stuff that I've been working on that I haven't made it a priority. I'm going to, especially now that FinCon is behind me, I'm going to make my business plan a priority. The way that I make an income right now is three ways. I do it, number one, by money coaching. So that one-on-one consultations that I talked about, again, not very much money. Number two, I do it through my financial literacy workshops. So I teach financial literacy or career navigation workshops at universities or nonprofits. And honestly, that's what I love doing. And that's what I would love to do long-term as a career, but that's going to take a while to build. Right now I am making the majority of my income as what they call a influencer. Oh my God. I hate that term. (laughs) Someone said that to me the other day. Like, I don't even do stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, I, I like quit my job to do podcasting and online business. And they're like, you're an influencer. I'm like, oh, like, I feel like I just got stabbed in the chest. Like, please don't call me that. You know, I used to hate that word too, but I've kind of come to terms with it. Cause basically an influencer. Yeah. I always used to think about like the people on Instagram with like the hundred K 
you know, a balloons, balloons and the freaking boobs yeah. out the and confetti, like, yeah, yeah. The selfies, the little hat, the little hat. Yeah, no, but, um, I mean, basically as an influencer, you know, people like what you have to say and they're tuning in. So you have influence over people. So I've embraced the term, uh, you might feel more comfortable with the term content creator. You're producing content, you're putting it out for people. So yeah, so that's where the majority of my money is right now through like, I guess, influencer marketing ad revenue from me doing sponsored videos for brands that want to be introduced to my audience. That's so awesome that you have, you know, so many different streams because I think that's the way of the way that you have success in business is opening the channels up, like being open to different opportunities and pivoting. And because right when you're in a corporate job, it's just one salary. You can really only do so much with it and maybe get a raise every so often or a promotion. But at least with this, you have so many different angles and you're not even capped, you know? So what's it been like working with brands? Like, what do you like about it? What don't you like about it? I'm very picky with who I work with. I, you should see some of these DMs, girl. Like people are like, will you help me promote my seaweed mask or something? Or, oh my God. And you're like, I don't even do that. Obviously you haven't looked at my page. Hello. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anybody that knows, yeah. I post about like financial literacy or career tips. I post, you know, sometimes people ask me for my skincare routine or my curly hair routine. Cause I'm very proud of my curly hair, but yeah, I'm not posting those kind of lifestyle videos or can you help me promote my air purifier my drone, just random stuff. Yeah. And I've been approached by some financial companies that don't make sense. So like I said, I'm glad that I'm able to be choosy with who I work with. I only work with somebody that makes sense for my audience or somebody that I've tried before that I think they would benefit from getting to know. But girl, that's like, we can do a whole podcast on influencer marketing because people like to joke about it, about all the hashtag ads, but it's, it's the future. Cause think about it. Like people still watch TV, but like, you know, they DVR stuff. So they'll just fast forward through the commercials. They're not watching commercials. Who's really reading magazines anymore, but what is everybody doing? Everybody's on their phone and they're following people on social media. So companies really do need to adapt if they want to stay afloat with influencer marketing, because we have the attention of people and you want to pay us to promote your product in front of our people. So if the things that you're promoting are relevant to what I'm looking for, I don't mind it because you're taking the guesswork out of me looking for shit. Like if I'm following someone about skincare and they tell me about this whole new brand that's authentic, like they're authentically telling me, hey, like I've tried this. I really like it. I think it's the future. Like, of course I'm going to buy it because I want good skin too. You know what I mean? Like you're cutting the guesswork out. Like I'm following you for a reason and I'm grateful and thankful that whatever it is you're teaching is like going deeper than just what you know. Because right... I'm an expert, you're an expert, but we're only experts in certain things and there are different products and different people in this world or in the market that are like, have different angles or different capabilities or whatever it is. And so the more you expand on that, the better. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't mind it. I just hate the ads where they're like, so irrelevant, like YouTube ads. I like hate them. It's like for stupid things that I would never do, never buy. Then that bothers me. No, exactly. Yeah. So um, I get to work with companies like I work with one that was like a money newsletter. So I talk about in my videos the importance of like how you should be immersing yourself in personal finance. So me doing an ad for a money newsletter isn't completely out of left field. Or I talk about, you know, figuring out your career path. So when I do uh, a video promoting an app that helps you take a test and figure out what sort of career path will be good for you, that works for my audience. So so it's, it's really cool. I agree. Do you ever reach out to brands yourself or do you mostly just like have them come to you? 
At this point, I would say the majority of the partnerships that I've had have been from them finding me on TikTok. I am set up on one platform. There's so many influencer platforms you can sign up on, but I am signed up on Aspire IQ. It's a really popular one. But yeah, the majority are from them coming to me. I have reached out to my favorite brands because I've seen that that's like a good tip that you should use for companies or products that you love and already know, reaching out and saying, hey, I do this. And then if they're interested, you can kind of explore a collaboration. What don't you like about working with brands? If there's anything. A lot. There's a lot. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. I don't know. So, I mean, I have, I'm not there yet, but... There's a lot. Yeah. What I don't like about working with brands is there's no transparency on pay. You know, so you completely have to make sure that I've definitely have been lowballed. Now that I'm learning more about this world and, you know, how much your analytics matter, your engagement, how much you should be charging, I have been lowballed and it's sad to say, but, you know, I'm learning. This is, was all brand new to me. So I'm trying to kind of be kind to myself. But, but yeah, I mean, I'll give you an example. I had a brand reach out to me. They offered me a thousand dollars and uh, I know it's a big brand. It's a household name. And I reached out to an influencer attorney that I follow on Instagram. And she said, Nope. She said, from my experience, I found that they can usually double or triple that initial offer. So she said, keep asking for more. And I did. And now they're paying me um, almost triple. You know, that's upsetting to me. It's like, really, you're going to pay me almost three times less, <laughs> you know, but you have to ask. And for a long time, I didn't know that you, you know, and it's upsetting because I preach this stuff on my career tips page about advocating for yourself at work, but I wasn't what I was saying myself, but I was in a brand new space, you know? So, so now I'm learning to negotiate contract terms and negotiate payment. And because uh, it's, it's a lot, they will take advantage of you. They know that they're a big company. They have a legal department and you're just a little guy, you know? So they'll take advantage of that. That's so cool though. That's like for a lot of people, that's like their check for two weeks worth of work, if not more. You know what I mean? So that's, that's pretty fun. Oh, one thing I would like to say, cause I know people hear that number and they're like, wow, like just for a 20 second TikTok, it is not just a 20 second TikTok. So think about it for me to even be on this brand's radar. I have had to produce so much free content for me to build the following that I have. And that's so much time, you know, so much of my time, creativity, energy, and don't get me wrong. I love doing it, but it is still work. And so on top of the community building that I had to do to even get this brand's attention, there's so many meetings with the brand back and forth about the concept, back and forth about the price. And then once you actually film, that's actually work too, right? Because you have to film it, you have to do your hair, makeup, have the right lighting, all this stuff. You submit it to them for revision, they give you feedback. So it is not just <laughs> a 20 second TikTok that you, okay, let me film it. There's a whole process. And uh, I think once people are aware of that, there's a whole process behind the scenes. And it's an advertisement. It is, a, it is an advertisement. So it's, it's not just a 20 second TikTok. Yeah. Content creation is so fucking hard. I enjoy it because I'm just freely speaking sometimes, but at the same time, it's also like you got to think about it in advance, especially on Instagram, especially on these other platforms that are more, they look for pretty things. But yeah, again, like with the storytelling, you need to know exactly what you're talking about in a way that's engaging, do so many iterations of it, and then also like make sure you do some sort of hook or question. Like it's, it's like more complex than people think, I think. Have you heard that audio? The one that Kim Kardashian is like, it's a full-time job. Oh my, and I literally- not as easy. Oh my, I, so it's funny because on I did the IG Reels challenge because I wanted to get really comfortable in front of the camera. And I literally, one of my videos is about content creation using that exact freaking sound. It was like, I know some people are like, this is so true. I can relate. I'm like, yeah, because it's real. 
Yeah, I remember I used to laugh at all this influencer stuff, and I have a whole new respect for influencer marketing because it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, agreed. And that's why they pay. They wouldn't pay thousands of dollars if it wasn't a lot of work. Oh, the other thing I will say is that some people that might be here in this podcast and are familiar with influencer marketing, you know, I gave that example about the brand offering a thousand and then still, you know, they kind of took me for 2,800, whatever that was. They're still going to be like, wow, that's low. And I have still been told by people that's still low. So I'm still learning, you know, it's just, I, I don't have it perfected. You have something to vouch for all the work you're putting in, you know, which I think is half the battle. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I know you're writing a book. So can you kind of give us some insight on what that's been like? What made you want to write it? Like, has it been a challenge to write it and like sit down and actually do the damn thing? Yeah. Unfortunately, it has with, uh, you know, me building a business because that's taking up my entire focus. But yeah, I started writing a book on the same topics that I essentially cover on my TikTok. So yeah, financial literacy and some career navigation, but it's mostly a personal finance book that I started writing earlier this year. I got about three chapters done. That was also a big reason of why I quit. My goal was to finish this book by the end of the year. And I knew if I went back to corporate, that would not happen. And I really wanted to put that out into the universe. So unfortunately, it still won't get done end of year, but that's okay. I'm working for myself now and I'm doing all the cool things that I'm doing. Yeah, the reason I decided to write a book is because for me to learn financial literacy, this wasn't something that was taught to me in K through 12. We all know that. It wasn't taught to me at home because my parents were immigrants and brand new to this country. So they didn't know what they were doing. I was an econ major in college, still didn't learn any of this stuff. So I had to read so many books to learn. And all the books that I read didn't really capture the unique challenges that I experienced as a first-generation American. So I wanted to write a book, um, Personal Finance, from the lens of a first-generation American. So I am going to make that a priority. I'd say in the next six months, to start chipping away at that. But it's something I'm super excited about. I don't have a book title yet. I have an outline, so that's good. Uh, but yeah, it's something that I'll be self-publishing in the near that's future. That's so cool. I think everyone, well, not everyone, but a good majority of people, myself included, would love to write a book one day. It's just like a cool thing to say like, hey, I'm an author. Like, I did it too. I did that thing too in this lifetime. Absolutely. So how did you even come up with the idea of, I guess, like putting together a book, right? Because you already do digital content. And yes, you want to write a book. Like, did you have to do an outline? And then I know someone who, when she wrote her book, she did flashcards for each chapter and put like the bullets for it. Like, what has been some of the things that worked for you for writing the book and what things maybe you would do differently? Yeah. I mean, I, I really can't speak too much on that process as I'm so much in the beginner phases, but I would say when I was really serious about it earlier this year, I had the outline and then I kind of had deadlines. If I want to have these two chapters done by this month and kind of keeping myself accountable because otherwise the time would just kind of slip by. Even in, in learning, I mean, I have to find what to look for in somebody that's going to design my cover, what to look for in an editor. I'm going to need an editor. If I do want to hire a company to help me promote it, you know, what should I be looking for? So it's a lot. But I think the first piece is like, let's get a manuscript written and then we'll kind of worry about the rest later. Yeah. Good for you. It takes a lot, especially when it's not like you have a publishing house like nagging you to get something out. It's like you have to set the deadline yourself and like keep yourself accountable. It's 10 times harder. Right. And to be honest, I have thought about maybe going the traditional publishing route because you get a lot more support and structure and they might pay you a retainer or whatnot. In advance, I think it's called. But after meeting with people who have published uh, and they've considered both options, I've learned that with the traditional publisher, they have more control because they're paying for it and they can straight out like remove chapters that they don't agree with or any words. And I don't want to be censored. So I'm sticking to myself publishing. Good for you. So what is the ultimate goal with all this? Like, you know, you do so many different things. Like, what do you really want to be the final end goal 
or like the next chapter? What would you want it to look like? Yeah. So, you know, that's been a journey in figuring that out. Cause like I said, when I started this, I was very happy with my nine to five entrepreneurship or being a business owner was not even in my headspace in the slightest. So I've had to figure that out in the last six months or so that this has been going on. I'm thankful that I've been able to connect with a business coach. I'm doing group coaching with someone to kind of figure that out. So yeah, she gives us assignments where she's like, how big would you want this to be? No dream is too big. So for sure, I want to be a pillar in the personal finance community. It's very white male overrepresented. And I know that my voice and my experiences are are needed. They fucking are. They fucking are. (laughs) Yeah, right. So yeah, there's just so many things. And I can we can talk about this for two hours, but there's so many things that they can just never speak on because they don't have the lived experience. It's a disservice to people who look like me, who want to learn about money, but they don't find the information relatable or that their stories are told, you know? So it's so important for access. So yeah, I want to be a pillar in the personal finance community. I'd love to, you know, have my book be a bestseller. And most importantly, I want to be an an educator long-term at universities teaching this stuff. Because I know uh, I can't be 50 years old and shaking my ass on TikTok. This isn't going to last forever. (laughs) I think it'll go from like cute to like, this is a little weird. (laughs) Right, right. No, so I'm, you know, striking while the iron is hot. I'm saying, hey, I'm getting some eyes on me. Let's see what I can build through the power of TikTok. And I'm so thankful for TikTok. And I don't know if you've seen other success stories, but there's so many people that have started full-on businesses because of the success and the attention that they got on TikTok. So I'm super excited. Yeah, it's pretty cool the amount of reach that you can get from just, like you said, one video or just you know something like that. Like I spent months on Instagram really perfecting my social strategy and like doing all these things. I hired fucking coaches on hashtag stuff. And like I got some reach, but all it took was TikTok, one exciting video to fucking have 11,000 followers, like almost like a couple weeks. Like that's insane. I mean, it's great. It's also terrifying that it's so quick, but like, I really think video content is the future. It like what they're doing is like remarkable. Yeah. And not everybody can do it. You know, some people are camera shy or, you know, some people are great with little Canva graphics on Instagram, but they are dry. They don't have a personality and that doesn't really get you far with video content. Just to kind of give people something to be inspired by from that viral video that I talked about that brought me most of my opportunities. I got a hundred thousand followers just from that video. So yeah, you can really blow up. And right now I have another video that's trending, not trending. It's it's, it's going viral because I keep getting the little thing about followers, followers, followers. And I would say from that video, I've gotten uh, probably 20,000 followers. So that's all it takes. And and not everybody can go viral and you're not going to go viral every time. I've definitely had videos that have flopped and that's just a part of the process. But yeah, the, the reach that's possible on TikTok, it's unlike anywhere else. I'm so thankful that I started when I did. Yeah. So... Of all the gold nuggets you've already sprinkled in this episode, I always like to leave off with one final question is if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Sure. Um, I would say start learning about money sooner because that's the only reason I am able to do this. Like I said, I know my personality, even if I would have had the opportunities that I'm getting, if I wouldn't have had the nest egg that I had to be able to do this, I wouldn't have done it. And I only was able to achieve that, not because I have a rich husband or because I have rich parents or because I hit the lottery. It was because I learned about how money works. And that's why I will always be an advocate for financial literacy, especially for our community, because we have to make that nest egg for ourselves. We don't get it from our parents. So I didn't start learning about money till my late 20s. I know people will hear this and be like, oh, it's still young. 
But if I would have learned it as soon as I graduated from college and I had that corporate salary, my life would be a lot different. Yeah. I spent money on such dumb shit that I'm like, girl, you could have invested it. What the fuck? Yeah. Or like going on trips that you can't afford because you're trying to hang out with your girls, but I don't even talk to those girls anymore. Like who cares? You know? So yeah, it's, it's a lot of stuff. And I, you know, a lot of it, you're young and you kind of have to live through life and experience stuff. But I wish I would have taken that more seriously younger on. So this has been awesome. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, of course. So uh, I'm most active on TikTok, if you couldn't already tell. <laughs> so my, my handle there is at the first gen mentor. I'm also on Instagram, which is at Gigi, the first gen mentor. If you're interested in money coaching or hiring me for a financial literacy workshop at your organization, you can check out my website, thefirstgenmentor.com. And feel free to DM me. If you listen to this interview, don't be shy and say hi. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on. I think this is going to be really, really helpful for the listeners. It was helpful for me too, who is starting to get approached by brands. So thank you again for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. You're doing good work. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter podcast. Make sure to check out corporatequitter.com for extended content and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the 9 to 5, follow our host Gabby on Instagram or TikTok at SheLikesToGab. 